we've secretly switched out the dilithium crystals on the USS Enterprise with new Folgers crystals. Let's see what happens. Now let's see how fast she can run. The Forge the Bridge. Warp power at your discretion, Captain. Acknowledged. Henson Gates, set course for Starbase 219, warp 6. Engage. Engage. Bridge to engineering, Missile of Forge. Why isn't my ship moving? I'm on it, Captain. There's a warp plasma conduit out of alignment. But I think I've got it fixed now. Ready, sir. Very well. Have some gates. Mr. LaForge. Stand by, Captain. Commander LaForge, I smell coffee. Warning. Life support failure on all decks. Abandoned ship. LaForge to bridge. I've got a problem down here. Did we just blow up the ship? I think we did. Well, at least we have coffee. Hey, it's Folgers, man. Well, oh, that's... Blow stuff up. (laughs) Yeah, that's true, isn't it? (laughs) Folgers destroys starships. Gets me going in the morning. Oh, man. (laughs) Just think of what it's doing to your dilithium crystals. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Dude, thank you for scripting that. That was your idea that you've had for decades. Sort of. Well, that's what, well, what? <laughs> you, you made it way better. <laughs> that's me going. Uh, I find out today. I'm like, hey, check out what I did. It took me three hours. It was fun, though. Like it was worth the three hours. But I'm like, this is going to be fun. <laughs> and you're like, I was just going to read the voices and do them all myself. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> with, with sound effects, <laughs> with sound effects put in, you know, no, you did a much better job, Brad. It's all good. <laughs> it's fun, though. It was fun. Well, good job. What's really cool is I now have all these. Uh, uh, hold on, let me let me play it because this this is my favorite part. You know, is this warning? Warp core collapse in ten seconds. I love that. That's like great. You know, and you can <laughs> see we have the bridge in the background. Just play it. Isn't that nice? Just just keep that on a loop the entire episode. I should, and then I have to do this though, where it's like red alert, battle stations. I mean, that is so cool. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> what I really like is Nerd. Yeah, or like this one. Here's the other one where it's like, oh, no. That's such a cool sound, you know? <laughs> yeah, isn't that awesome? Oh, you're such a nerd, Brian. <sighs> yeah, I really am. You're such a quasi nerd. There's no other way to explain it. Well, welcome. Welcome back. Captain Influence. Thanks, Thanks again. I'm becoming an awfully, an awful regular here. Or not an awful regular. I'm just uh, becoming a uh, a regular. You're an I awful guess. regular? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you you said it. Spe- um, speaking of that, yeah, you know what's great is I uh, I talked to Mike. We imitate Mike out of because uh, we like him. He's a cool guy. 
last Wednesday, I guess it was on game night. He's like, you know, I'm willing to record some, some like sound bites for you. And I'm like, are you serious? So like what yeah. I just did there, he, we could have mic bites. You don't need that show. Tony doing your, doing my voice for you. I mean, come on. <laughs> Speaking of that, we need to have a chode meter from like, you know, one to 10, you know, when somebody acts like, is that a level seven on the chode meter kind of thing? Insert the chode meter here and there uh, yeah. based on the topics. Maybe we can practice that tonight. By the way, tonight tonight's drinking game is every time Captain Influence says interesting. Okay. Uh, you have to take a shot of Folgers. Oh, man. You know, that, that might blow them up, though. <laughs> I mean, if well, not the crystals. <laughs> not, not the crystals. Stay away from those. <laughs> wait, wait. So, wait. What are you drinking then? Just like ground up Folgers? Yeah, yeah. You're not talking the, about the know, Folgers crystals. No, the crystals are. That's so 80s, Brian. Come oh, on now. Man. Well, they still have them. I, I know they they do, but it's crazy. I mean, it's like talking about the old advertisements in the early '80s, where you know, ring around the collar. Remember, ring around the collar. Yeah, well, how they're, big they're, how big a thing, a marketing thing that was for detergents. Look what Pepsi's doing now. They've brought back the old logo because it's all it's for all generations. That's just a logo. Now. That's fine. That's fine. Logos yeah, get recycled all the time. They brought back Cindy Crawford. I just can't believe Folgers Crystals is still a thing. That's oh. all I'm. That's all I'm saying. Speaking of harming yourself, we're going to talk about a couple of things here today. And one of the things is you actually may be harming your pets. And that's not meant to. Sc- well, it is meant to scare you, actually, because it scared the crap out of me when I read some of this. Um, I can't wait to hear about this. You know, I'm just going to share it right now. Let's just get into this because I think it's really important. This is one of those things that a trusted source that I follow as far as email list. They do this all the time. They say, hey, we're doing this, you know, joint webinar with this other person we know that's. And I've actually heard of this other guy, too. So it's not like this random out of the blue and they're doing this webinar hang on, hang on, hang on brian I, I gotta kick my cat out of the way hang on get out of here can we leave that on the show because that was awesome we're talking about <laughs> you may be harming your pets you i don't, don't ever kick my cat you don't even have a cat do you oh yeah i have one Shh. cat now i used to have three uh we used to have three greyhounds yeah we went down to one well i'm glad you kicked your cat because i i do too i actually put cats in blenders no so no this is no of course i don't no 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 that's me no we give them lemon pledge in their water it's a a six or seven part video series that starts this next wednesday i've lost quite a few dogs to cancer Mm -hmm. and i got to thinking about this and and in fact for example like when we first got our greyhounds one of the things i looked up was that greyhounds tend to live 12 to 15 years on average Additionally, they are actually known as one of the breeds with the least amount of diseases and, and health issues. Interesting. I oh. would have thought they would have had a lot of, lot of joint issues and such. Well, that can be a problem because of the running and if they're not taken care of. But the irony is, is that we've had more health problems with our greyhounds than most other breeds. And I thought, I thought these were supposed to not have. So what's going on, right? We lost Ty to cancer. He had bone cancer. And I got to thinking, man, I wonder if we could do something differently with him. Pixie, you know, our other greyhound, she died of a, of a, just a stroke out of the blue. She, you know, had all this rupturing and, and it was crazy. It was horrible. Oh my God. It's one of those moments. And and they were both nine years old and you're thinking, why did they die so young? And it was sudden. It's not like this was, you know, we were sitting there with radiation lamps or something. I mean, it was, it was really like, what are we doing to them? So I had this theory going on in my mind, crackpot theory that I'm like, I wonder if we're actually harming our pets. And this was going on for a couple of years. Never did any research on it. I mean, I thought about it, you know, a few times, but I never did anything about it. I was just like, whatever. I don't know if this is true or not. Then I get this email last week saying you may be harming your pets. And then it talks about the truth about pet cancer. And they're going to have a video series on it's April 4th. I can put the link in the show notes case and it's free. You know, it's just like you can watch it for 24 hours, kind of free video. And then after that, it goes away. And then, of course, you'll probably take a you shot. Know, you can pay for it, whatever. Okay. So these are the stats that blew my mind. 
And if you're not a pet lover, whatever, right? But pass this on to somebody that knows. In the 1970s, golden retrievers on average would live to be 17 years old. Now they average nine years. Whoa. Okay, that's a serious problem. 50 years ago, only one in 100 dogs got cancer. And now get this. It's one in 1.65 dogs. It's got to be the food, dude. It has, it has to, to be, be something in the food. Yeah. And they're saying, and for you who has cat, cancer is a leading cause of death among cats. One in three cats will be right. affected by cancer this year. I lost my last cat to intestinal cancer. Yeah. So what they're going to talk about is what your vets won't tell you. They're going to talk about proven natural therapies. So they say that are going to slash your pet's genetic predisposition to cancer. The hidden dangers, quote, lurking in your home. So, you know, what do we have? I mean, our, our, our wireless is... Our wireless routers, for example, is that causing problems in all of us? I've heard that. Of course, how to heal your pet from cancer if they're diagnosed. Trying to sell any natural herbs or remedies or anything like that? Well, like I know one of the guys here uh, does essential oils. And so it's like, here's how to use essential oils that you can go buy on your own. Yeah, yeah, but that's, I mean, I mean, the, the people who made this series, are they trying to sell a product? I have a feeling they're trying to sell information. So like I okay. said, it's free to go and watch it for 24 to watch each video for 24 hours the day that it's released. Hmm. But if you don't get to it, well then I'm sure you can probably buy the whole video series at the end. Okay. Which, you know, that's fine. But I, still, I it's respect not, that. Yeah. And it's not, they're not selling a particular product. So I'm less, I don't know if likely to be dubious. Uh, even I mean, if they are, it doesn't mean you have to buy it, but you can go, true. they're bringing on all of these like 40 different experts, by the way, too. It's not like it's one person talking about this. They're bringing on right. scientists and other things too. So it's, to me, it's like, I'm going for the information. They mm-hmm. may come on and say, Hey, here's what I sell and you should buy my, well, okay. Take it with a grain of salt. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's not. Who knows? But right, right. you can at least get the info and go from there. But shoot, if we can like extend the lives of our pets and also their health. Yes. I would bet you money that food is probably the number one issue because the crap that is in pet food is like us literally going to McDonald's every day. I know some pet foods are worse than others too. Like you don't feed cat meow mix unless you just hate your cat. For example, I'd be curious to hear a veterinarian's perspective on this video series just to get both sides of the, if there are, if there indeed are two sides, just to get their perspective on what the information is that is presented Mm -hmm. and see what they say. If you have any veterinarians listening, I'd be curious. Yeah. Well, so here's the other thing too. And I I know this is the case for some vets. I'm not sure it's every vet, but I do know for a fact that it's some, some of those vets will trash the natural food. Mm -hmm. Oh, that doesn't work. It's crap. It's not going to do anything to them. You know? Okay. You know, they tell us as humans that we should be eating healthy and that if you change your diet, you can actually prevent a lot of health problems. You can cure yourself from certain health issues. Well, duh, you are what you eat, right? And it's pretty easy for people to go out and, and buy, I mean, within certain financial means, obviously, but, but even, even if you don't have a lot of money, it's, it's fairly easy to, to if, if you really want to, to eat more or less healthy. Whereas with pets, yeah. you're kind of stuck with the stuff you can buy on the shelf unless you look for you know, what you'd call quote-unquote oddball manufacturers or, or individuals who are selling more natural, holistic even pet foods. And they're not even that oddball anymore. They're actually pretty mainstream now. I mean, and you're okay. right. They used to be. They used to be kind of like, I don't know how you find these people. They're all, I've got, mm-hmm. they've got dreadlocks. They haven't showered in 10 weeks. But, you know, I mean, nowadays they, it's not that way anymore. It's very mainstream. You go to these pet. Now, granted, you're going to pay more, but here's the thing. Yes. And granted, this is my opinion, but I very strongly emphasize my opinion here. And if you don't agree with it, then that's fine. We, you know, we don't have to agree. But my theory is this. If your attitude is, 
I'm not going to pay $50 a bag for my pet food. I, I pay seven. Well, then you probably have no business having a pet. <laughs> if you're not going to, you know, treat your pet with respect and give it the health that it deserves, then you should not be taking care of something like that. It's irresponsible. It's almost, it almost borderlines on pet abuse. It would be similar, in my opinion, identical to, but I, I understand that other people are not going to share this opinion, but I consider my pets to be people. They're not humans, mm-hmm. but they're people. They have feelings. They have their own personality. They are self-aware. They oh, yeah. react to you. Mm-hmm. They're just not, as, they're not near as smart as a human being, but they're mm-hmm. people. If you don't do all that you do everything you can within reason to take care of that person, that dependent, mm-hmm. then I agree with you. Yeah. It'd be like feeding your kid McDonald's every day. Abel James, who was on the show, you know, a while back, he actually has a section in his uh, a wild diet book for pets. And it's actually, you know, how pets should eat. For example, you hear this like dogs can eat anything, right? Because their digestion's better than ours. Yes, but there's that's still within reason. Like they can eat raw meat. We can't kind of thing. It has to be right. a good raw meat. Like you can't just feed them. Anyway, there's there's a lot well, that goes into that, but it's in his book. It's cool. Virtually all pet foods that are on the mar- market, at least in the in the pet stores and in the grocery stores that people generally buy, are processed foods. And yeah. more and more, we're learning that processed foods in humans cause cancer. Yeah. And so, and we don't eat all processed foods. I mean, we eat you know vegetables and fruits mixed in with all the processed foods that we eat. Mm-hmm. But pets, our pets are eating almost exclusively processed foods. Yeah. And that may be the key to explaining why. Again, I'm not an expert, but that may be the key to explaining why the cancer rate in pets has gone up so much in the last several decades. That's what I believe that this is alluding to. And again, I, you know, the videos haven't come out yet, so I haven't watched them yet. We started noticing significant health changes when we changed our dogs order over from like the what they call sensitive stomach, which is a I don't remember who, who, who the brand is, but because greyhounds have stomach upset easier than others, or at least ours did for some reason bland food it doesn't cause gastro issues or diarrhea or whatever that you know all that stuff here's the thing like the dogs that ate it mostly are dead and then we switched them over to the natural food and by the way it was like mostly fillers it was processed stuff it was a lot of like grains and wheats you know gmo not it wasn't non-gmo it was full gmo stuff It was all kinds of bad stuff and we were looking at this list going i I can't believe we're feeding our dogs this like this is terrible Mm -hmm. so then we switched delta over to a more natural food it's meat, it's vegetables, you know, it's, there's no fillers, there's no grains, there's nothing like that in there. So then huh. we started giving her yogurt, coconut yogurt, put it on your really? food. And it's like, okay, well, there's your probiotic. She was doing great. And then guess what? They said, put her on a prebiotic. We put her on that. She's 11 and a half. And every time they do her blood work, they're like, she's super healthy. Oh, that's cool. And I'm like, now granted, is that a fluke or is there something to that? I don't know. It's I a mean, data I, point. I, yeah, it's a data point, but she's doing great. She hasn't had any issues and She's happy. She's energetic. Her coat looks great. I mean, this it's big stuff. So, well, good on you, honestly, for taking the time and the effort, and you know, spending the money on doing that because that that speaks highly of you. Well, thank you. But you're right. It's not cheap. It's not ten dollars a bag. You know, we look right. for coupons, and you know, we're on like a frequent buyer list. So after so many bags, you get a free one. So I mean, it it you can get creative and save money. But you know, you're right. You're, you're not, you're not spending seven to $10 on a, on a big bag of crap. 
But yeah, you've inspired me. I, I you know, my my wife and I adore our cats. Uh, yeah. We only have one left. We lost we lost one to cancer and one to kidney disease. Uh, they were both pretty old, mm-hmm. uh, but we have one left, and she's approaching sixteen, so she's old. But she's been on a science diet brand, age-defying mm-hmm. formula. So it's, I mean, it's science diet and all the vets go nuts over science diet, that, but it is processed that's the food. brand that, that, yes, you're right. I think yeah, the vets I'm are in curious. bed with them. Yeah. I could be I'm wrong. That's one, that's one of the ones they're in bed with. But I, and I'm curious, and, and we're not trying to offend any veterinarians out there. Right. We're, we're just, like I said, we'd love to hear your take on all this. But I'm inspired to, after this show, I'm going to go research what other, you know, more natural food options we might be able to give our cat and maybe we can have her around a little longer than usual. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's a very fair point because you are correct. Like the, the thing that I don't want to do is like you said, offend vets because I agree. That's not, I'm not a vet, right? But here's the thing. Here's the thing that I would challenge. If you are a veterinarian or know somebody that is a veterinarian, I'm going to put the links here in the show notes. I would challenge you to go look this up, watch these things and actually find out, is this really legit or is this completely ridiculous and you know has, has no both. bearing of anything? Every person that I know that goes to school to become a veterinarian, Colorado State University is one of the largest vet schools in the nation. And every single one of them go into it because they love animals. Right. So if you love animals and you actually have a desire to care for animals and see animals live as healthy and as pain-free as possible, well, then you, sh- you have a responsibility to know, like, what are you recommending? What are you doing? You know what I'm saying? So like, yeah. oh, science diet's great. Are you sure? I want to challenge vets to step up and say, there is truth to this or, well, no, there's no truth to this at all, but then back it up. Give us data. Right. Yep. And, and, and watch these videos. educate us all in the process. Yeah, because maybe these people that are putting out these videos are crackpots. I don't know. Probably not. Well, and you, you have personally taken steps to go the natural route and it's, and it has borne fruit. So yeah. yeah or it's so a fluke. Have, I don't know. I don't or know. it could be a fluke. You never know. All I know is that processed foods are supposedly very bad for you and it makes sense why they're bad for you. Yep. Pet food is processed food. So. And animals don't eat processed food in the wild. So. Right. You know, this is actually interesting because, um, you know, we didn't have a, an episode last week. The reason was, was, you, you know, I've been in sciatic pain, which it, thankfully, thankfully has gotten better. Things are finally starting to mend up. It came back a little bit, but it's starting to go like as of right this moment, it's it's fine. It's not hurting. But, you know, during its peak for close to four months, I mean, I was in a lot of severe, severe pain. I mean, the kind of pain yeah. that you're just like you're clenching down so hard that you're afraid you're going to crack your teeth. You know, and you're just like, and it's just nonstop. So I started getting all these heart palpitations and, you know, I'm like, whatever, no big deal. Uh, actually, ironically, I'd gone in for my, my annual checkup with my cardiologist and he was like, well, I'd actually be surprised if you didn't have heart palpitations from all this because it's just the body's natural reaction to all the pain and the stress that you're going under. Huh. So interestingly though, and I'd never had this before. Take a, couple- a shot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Take a Folger shot. Yeah. Well, this will lead oh, to heart palpitations as people are, people are pretty high on caffeine right now, Woo! by the way. All these interesting so, things. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So a couple of weeks ago, I started the heart palpitations were leading to a significant amount of dizziness and almost like I couldn't get enough air. You know, you'd mm-hmm. breathe in, but you just didn't feel like you were getting enough oxygen and stuff like that. So then it's like, oh, my gosh, there's something serious, you know, which causes anxiety and more stress and that. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so then I'm on like, like this heart monitor. It was really funny. I've got like 
those little things they stick all over your chest, you know, and you have all these yeah. wires coming out to this little like, you know, giant pager that you have to wear. And I'm trying to hide it. You know, I'm like, got to wear a hoodie. <laughs> and, you know, this is oh, it looks like I look like an idiot. I look like some, you know, chode from the 90s. But anyway, um, well, that would be like a like a five on the chode meter or. Yeah. Yeah. Five. Okay. Yeah. Let's go with that. Five. Solid five. Okay. And but thankfully it recorded. I still haven't heard back. I don't know what takes these people so long to go. Oh, and weird. This yeah, stuff. I yeah. I heard back it's been like two weeks. I'm going, guys, come on. I mean, I'm asking all these questions. Nobody seemed worried. So then because they weren't worried, I'm thinking, okay, well, I don't have some diagnosis that I can work off of. So I'm going to look at, again, observations and experience. How am I eating? This goes back to the whole pet thing. And what is truly my stress and my anxiety level right now? I'm thinking like, well, I feel extremely anxious, but I can't explain why. How much coffee do you drink a day, Brian? I have one cup in the morning. And then sometimes I'll have an espresso, maybe full calf, maybe half calf in the afternoon if I go work at a coffee shop, but not every day. And that's it. I don't have any other. I mean, everybody thinks I'm like totally jacked on caffeine, but that's (laughs) it, man. I don't drink anything beyond that. Just curious. Yeah. The whole point of not having a show last week was I just was like, I got to stop. I need you were a wreck. I was a wreck, man. That was a bad week. And I, I'm sorry to you, by the way, and to the others that I talked to that I just was, I was, uh, it was not a good week, man. Uh, and I was just like, I need to stop and literally not do anything and just take some deep breaths and just relax, you know, cause I, I have this sense of, um, probably responsibility to an unhealthy level and also caring to an unhealthy level. It's good to care and it's good to have responsibility, but sometimes you just got to let things go and oh, well, kind of thing, you know? Last week was an interesting week. Take a shot. <laughs> yeah. The heart palpitations, I think, got worse when I would eat more breads and sugars and unhealthier foods, more processed foods and stuff like that. I felt like my anxiety levels went up more. Heart huh. was pounding more, more, more palpitations, that kind of thing. Versus like if I'm eating super healthy, that all seemed to diminish significantly, which makes sense. Same thing as like sleep and calming down and just breathing more. And it was interesting. Well, I'm glad you're back. Take a shot. Exactly. I did that just to make people drink more, more coffee. (laughs) (laughs) I did say at the beginning of the show that if Captain Influence says the word interesting, but that's true. Obviously we're expanding upon it. You're just trying, you're just trying to get your listeners to relate to you better. Exactly. The good news is things are better. And I think I am actually attributing it to diet and and by diet, I mean what I put in my body, not going on a diet, actual true rest and, and, you know, stress and anxiety level versus, you know, rest and sleep and exercise level, that kind of thing, which is, you know, that's easily, well, not easily, it's manageable. It's simple. It may not be easy, but so, you know, going back to our pets is that if, if that's causing me to have heart palpitations and dizziness and other things like that, if I change my diet and my self care, yeah, wouldn't it make sense with pets too? They're animals just like you. So, mm-hmm. of course, it's it's got to have an effect. It has mm-hmm. to. Well, and the hurricanes Same that we're chemistry. having here have an effect on me too. <laughs> I don't like that. that. You have some bad catabatic winds there in Fort uh, Collins. Cat, cat one winds at least. I mean, gee, <laughs> make, oh, I hate wind. Well, we did get some rain and that's great. And then we've had some sun that's actually making an effect now. So, you know, you go outside 15 minutes a day, dude, it's amazing how good you feel. Yeah. So much better go than a vitamin a, D supplement. Go for a walk in the sun for 30 minutes a day. Yeah. Max even. That's and what I've been trying to do. You'll be great. That's a good thing, man. Good thing. You know, the other thing that I really appreciate this time of year is March madness. 
It's been a really, really amazing year. And, and for those of you who even watch March Madness, you can probably agree with me in the sense that this has been one of the better years of the tournament that I've, at least that I can remember. The games That's have been amazing. The, yeah, there's a lot of upsets, a lot of close games, a lot of crazy things. Uh, Final Four is tomorrow and, you know, the championship's Monday. So, wow. How did how'd you do on your bracket? I don't do brackets. I just oh. go in and enjoy the enjoy watching them. Well, good for you. Yeah. Well, that be- apparently almost everybody's bracket <laughs> got busted this year. I bet. So I was like, all right, that's cool. <laughs> but you know what? There's a, there's, there's one team that I've been very interested in. I didn't even know the school existed until this year and it's Loyola Chicago. Very interesting because I'm thinking, I don't know who the school is, but you know, it's this crazy upset and they're just so fun to watch. And the sportsmanship is really amazing. You know, you've got people that get on the basketball court and they get all, you know, ah, I gotta win the game and they get mad if a foul's called on them. They get all pouty, you know, and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody <laughs> falls down. You just walk past them. You know, it's not on my team. The, these guys, I, I've never seen them, at least from a facial expression, look like they're upset about stuff. They make a bad shot. They just move forward. Somebody oh. on the other team falls down. They lift them up. They're always going down and like helping other teammates up from the other team. And I thought, I don't see that very interesting. Often. It's very interesting. rare. And then this is cool. They've been interviewing her as uh, there. They have a chaplain who is 98 years old. Really? <laughs> her name is sister Jean and she's at the games and she's crazy and she's having all this fun. And she sounds like she's in her, you know, like fifties or sixties. She does not look or sound like she's 98. It's amazing. I'll be doing. Which is another thing. It's like, okay, how does she, you know, I should have her on the show. Like, how are you 98 and you look you and, should, and sound so good? Like, what's the secret? First time that they've made it this far in since 1963. So that's another, it's like, man, I want to, I, I just want to root for them. Like, this is a cool team. You know, there's so much to like about this school and about this team. And this, I love this part back in the sixties. Actually, this was 63, right? This was right during the civil rights movement. Back in 1963, NCAA tournament rules was that you could not play more than three black players at a time. Huh. So March 15th, 1963, Loyola said, forget it. We're going to defy this rule. We're going to start with four black players at the NCAA tournament. And it was a game versus at the time, the all white Mississippi state team and Mississippi state was not allowed. They had a legislative ban to go play that team. Because it was an integrated team. Really? Yeah. Interesting. And so they're like, you can't do it. And so Mississippi State went against that order and like snuck across the state lines to compete in the game anyway. And it like changed history. Really? It's not even an issue anymore in NCAA. Wow. But that was a That's turning great. point. And I didn't realize that Loyola was like a pivotal team for that. I'm just like, I love these guys. They're so cool. Yeah. So anyway. Are they still in it? They are in the final four tomorrow and I am rooting for them all the way. Got a horse in this race now. It's neat. It's neat to see stuff that goes well beyond just a game of basketball. I agree. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Even if they don't make it beyond this, it's awesome. It's still an awesome thing. It's neat. We need, we need more inspiring stories like that in this world. Yes, we do. And there's a lot of them out there. You just have to dig for them. I agree, man. But you've got something inspiring. Tell me a little bit about this Qigong Oh, yes. Okay. So uh, my wife and I went to a workshop here in Des Moines a few weeks ago. It was a two-weekend workshop where we learned Qigong, which is Chinese calisthenics. Supposedly over 100,000 styles of Qigong practiced in China. If you've ever seen in movies or TV where you have a bunch of people out on the common area in the morning doing these slow movements, 
in, you know, stretches and movements. That's, that's, they're either doing Tai Chi or they're doing Qigong. Mm. So we learned, we learned the style of Qigong called the five animal frolics. <laughs> and that's there's awesome. two moves per animal. There's the tiger, there's the deer, there's the monkey, hmm. there's the crane, and there's the bear. The crane, that's what I was, I was thinking. Like, there's a bird yeah. in there, and I can't remember it. Yeah, the crane. Yeah. And so we learned those. We learned all 10 moves, and you know, we're, we suck at it, but we try and practice once in a while doing that. But yeah, it's just a fun little thing that my wife and I did. I've been wanting to learn Tai Chi or something similar, you know, and, and well, I'll look in mm-hmm. Qigong, because I know that um, with back issues like mine and, you know, not having full muscle control, it pretty much said, you know, most martial arts should be off the table for your safety, <laughs> right. you know. However, Tai Chi, on the other hand, is actually on the table because of the strengthening that it does. And it's I know it's extremely difficult to have full control. It's extraordinary on like core and everything else, but I would love yes. to learn it. It'd be amazing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that'd be right up your alley, dude. To look into either Qigong or Tai Chi would probably be beneficial to you. So Yeah, we had our Star Trek introduction today, and it's like one of the things, you know, in in Star Trek the Next Generation, here's a little, you know, fun trivia moment. Some of you know this. The mock bars, Klingon mock bars that, you know, Worf would lead where he would do all that. It was all based on Tai Chi and probably a variation of Qigong as well. We were surprised at how much of a, it's not a hardcore workout by any means. You're you're not supposed to do it in a way that gets you out of breath Hmm. or seriously worked up. But when you're done doing those exercises, you are sweating ever so slightly and you are, you know, it's more of an exercise than you would expect it to be. So it's just a very subtle exercise that you're supposed to do on a daily basis we have not been. We're being very bad. You're supposed to do it on a daily basis. And, you know, a lot of people in China do it every morning, first thing when they wake up to get their day started off right. So I love that. Yeah. It gets, it gets your chi flowing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it embraces the force. That, that yeah. was Captain Picard talking about the force. Horrible, horrible thing. I love crossing over. That was like a seven on the chode meter. I yeah. Think. Yeah. You know what? I, I, <laughs> I, dude, it's so funny. People are saying, do you like Star Trek or Star Wars better? Both. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, that's not fair. Some people yeah. do like both. Jerks. Let's talk about this. I, I wanted to, uh, to bring this up. You and I had a little bit of a discussion prior to jumping on here just to kind of overview this. But I've had some, uh, I mean, personal experience, of course. I think that's where a lot of my conversations and topics come about but here's a little espresso shot for you and i've seen this too i've seen people react to certain things it's you know powers of observation and other thing like that first of all how do you introduce yourself to others and or how do you greet others you know if and you're meeting them for maybe the first time or you know maybe you don't know them very well but you're asking the typical basic i hate to say this but grown grown questions and answers you know that you have to do when you first meet someone Let's do the questions first. Typical questions you get. Hi, Tony. So what do you do? Like, that's usually the first question people start with. And I'm <laughs> like, <laughs> no, you don't have to act. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's just more of that. Like, oh my gosh, that's, that's, I get why they do it. I mean, it's a, I don't know what else to ask. They're right? trying to break the ice. Of yeah, course it is. Now Social I, contract. I think where this started to annoy me was when Batman begins came out in 2005 and there's that quote in there that it's not it was something that Rachel said, Rachel, you know, to, to Rachel. <laughs> Rachel and I hated it. It was like the worst written quote. And, and like they, they turned it into something that was like a teaching moment in the movie. And I, yeah, what is it? It's not who you are, but what you do that defines you. That is like one of the worst things that somebody can believe. Really? Because that's, that's super cliche. And the reason it's cliche is because it's, it's one of those old 
axioms that wise sages have been saying forever that it's not that that what you do is what defines you. But not entirely, though, because I think sure not entirely like you could take it as far as to say that my job, what I do as a job defines who I am. Oh, no, but that see, that's taking it too literally, I think. But that's what they're saying, right? So who you are underneath now, granted, I guess if you were to take it like your actions speak louder than words, that's how I was taking it. Okay, well, that's fine. That's not even how they were even describing it in Batman. Okay. To me, that's a very dangerous uh, statement. And so a lot of times when somebody says, you know, hi, hi, so what do you do? That's like the first impression that they have of you. And that is a very incomplete, you know, scenario, right? Or here's the other one, like, uh, so are you married? And and that can be very, by the way, very awkward, especially if it's a guy asking a girl that, you know, right. <laughs> you gotta be careful yeah, yeah. there. There's a lot <laughs> of other, like, uh, as I put them off putting questions and possibly even harmful to some people who have been through past hurt, negative experiences. You know, maybe they right. haven't dealt with it yet. Maybe when somebody asks them, you know, so are you married? What do you do? You know, maybe they've struggled. Maybe they have just came out of a really bad divorce. You know, maybe they've struggled in the jobs. I mean, who knows? Right. But it is what it is. I'm sure none of these people ever intend maliciously to ask questions like that. So it's not like anybody's doing anything wrong. It's looking at it from the standpoint of, could we do better? What do you do? Well, I'm a podcaster. Oh, really? How many listeners do you have? How much money do you make? You know, it's like, whoa, (laughs) hello. You know, didn't, didn't your parents ever teach you growing up that you don't ask somebody how much money they make. You don't ask a woman how much she weighs and how old she is. Like, isn't that like common sense? Um, Used to be for sure. I don't know anymore. But I mean, it's like a huge thing in the podcast industry. I feel like people ask that and I would never ask that because I'm, I'm from the old guard, but I feel like people who ask that are curious because they, they hear so much about podcasting and a lot of people make a a really good living out of it Mm -hmm. and they are curious for themselves, you know, how much could I make doing a podcast? And, oh, here's somebody who is a podcaster. Maybe they can give me an insight. That actually is different because if somebody says, well, I'm interested in podcasting, you know, is there any kind of a range that I could maybe plan for if I were to go do this? Like how much could somebody make with this? That's a very different question than how much do you make? Or like, for example, to say, um, uh, and I've gotten this question a lot too, is, oh, that's interesting. Like, well, do you make money with podcasting? And if so, how, how, like, do you do it through advertising? Like, that's a fair question because people just don't know it and that's fine, but it's the specific, you know, how many listeners do you have? And I'd say, well, if an advertiser comes and asks me that question, that's a totally different story. But these aren't people that are going to put money into the show. They're just at random people. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, well, what, what does that really matter? Because what I, what I immediately take from that is that if I were to tell them, well, I have a hundred thousand listeners, I get judged really well. All of a sudden I look good in their eyes and they're going to be like, Oh, Oh, that's guy. I should be this person's friend. If I say I got 10 listeners, they're going to say, Oh, you're one of those people. So (laughs) it's an immediate judgment. Right. And I'm like, I don't even want to put myself into that position one way or the other. I don't want to be judged. Uh, It's the same kind of thing. Like when somebody says, um, so I got this all the time too. So what do you do? Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a neurosurgeon. Oh, wow. Or, uh, well, I'm a, you know, I'm a sniper in the military. Oh, wow. Thank you for your service. You know, which awesome, by the way, don't get me wrong. Um, or, you know, like I, I, uh, I'm an NBA star, you know, oh, wow. You know, well, so what do you do? Well, you know, I'm a dishwasher at pizza hut, which that was my first job, by the way. And yeah. they're gonna be like, oh, or like, well, I'm a podcaster. Oh, what's a podcaster. You know what I mean? Like I, I've gotten this, by the way, these are all actual true stories. And it's so funny because somebody coached me on this years ago about a totally different career that I was in. It's kind of like, how do you answer when people ask you, what do you do? Sometimes there's better wording. 
than, you know, what you think you might do. Or, or you might even say like, are you confident and are you proud of what you do? Because I'm like, well, I'm a podcaster, but this was a while ago. I don't have hardly any listeners and I'm not making any money because I'm brand new and I don't really know what I'm doing yet, you know? And so I come across super timid and almost apologetic. And there was one time where I said, well, what do you do? Well, well I'm, a, I'm, I'm a podcaster and I'm an audio editor for some podcasts. Like I kind of said it like that. And the person said, oh, well, how come you haven't gotten a real job? <laughs> and I was like, excuse me? And they're like, well, yeah, I mean, you know, you could go work over here and you could make money doing this. And I'm, I'm thinking like, why are you telling that's me this? A, that's a 10 on the chode meter. Well, there. I can't tell you how many times I get that. <laughs> I, you would not believe how many people in my life that I've come across who have said, Brian, why don't you have a real job yet? Huh? But yeah, people do it all the time. It's amazing. I'm like, are you serious? Like that goes really dog. Really dog. Really dog. Yeah. We're going to talk about that in a second. Really dog. (laughs) Oh yeah. That's some old school. Yeah, man. It's amazing how many people have said that, but to be fair, if I came across as being timid or apologetic or more like maybe in my vocal intonation or body language, I was almost subtly suggesting that I wanted something better because I didn't, I wasn't positive about it. So, okay, that's fair. Maybe somebody miscued to say, oh, well, why don't you get a real job? And you know, blah, blah, blah. So I'm a podcaster. I'm an audio editor. Here's another way of saying this. I'm a talk show host and a (laughs) producer for various clients with international talk shows. Those are both true. I am a podcaster and I am a talk show host. I am an audio editor and a producer. Some podcasts versus various clients with international talk shows, both true. Oh, and by (laughs) the way, one of my clients that I host for it's a $60 billion international company. I don't tell people that though, because I don't want to come across like, Oh, look at my BMW or my, you know, uh, Tesla name dropping. Yeah. But I feel like sometimes people just immediately judge you for whatever reason. I, I don't know. It's just what it is. We live in a material world, dude. I'm not surprised at all. And I am a material girl or boy. Yes, you are. <sighs> this goes back to something, you know, when I had Antonio Centeno on about, you know, how you present yourself with clothing. And I know Martin, the flash got really upset about it doesn't matter what I wear. If people don't like me for who I am, you know, they can, they can suck it, which he's right. (laughs) But on the other hand, if I meet somebody for the first time and I have less than two minutes with them and I want to have some, like it's, this is a business person I'd like to get to know or, you know, or just somebody randomly goes by and Sarah says, Hey, Brian, have you met so-and-so? No, I haven't. And I, you know, I'm dressed like a chode. Um, (laughs) First impressions are dead, right? I, they didn't get a chance to get to know me. They didn't get a chance to know that. Well, just because I'm in, you know, basketball shorts and, you know, t-shirt because I'm going to the gym doesn't define me necessarily. Of course. But unfortunately that is the world we live in is that first impressions or short term conversations, you know, it's amazing. You really do kind of have to think about that. So, yeah. And to be fair, that's the species we were born into. People have been dealing with that exact conundrum for ever since people were social. I mean, oh yeah, nothing new. So first impressions are just a it's it's just a part of the social contract, really. Yeah. How do you make a first impression work for you? Yes, and also for the other person that you are. Like if you're asking them the questions, and and I yeah. I will get to that in a second. As far as here's some things that I've tried that may work for you, and they've sort of worked for me, and I think it's kind of cool. How can we make the other person feel comfortable? But then also, like you said, how can we present things in a way that is more positive, more confident, better first impression, but still true. Like you're not stretching the truth or, or telling lies. We're not going there. 
I've experienced this a lot. You know, I've had two more recent experiences where I'm just like, oh my gosh, I failed at that again, you know? And so I was writing this up and I'm like, oh my gosh, I am a talk show host. Duh. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I really am. And I am a producer. And yes, I have international uh, clients and this is amazing. Like, wow, duh. And it's all true. So think about what you do, present it in a way that is still true, but makes, you know, the best possible. You're a show polisher. <laughs> I'm a show shiner. <laughs> yeah. Show shiner. There show you shiner. go. <laughs> Can I shine your show? Come on over here. Like that would be so there you awesome, go. man. Show shiner. I love it. The show shiner. Let me shine your show. Yeah, that's cool. That's a cool. <laughs> Use that market term. it. That's awesome. Market it. I'm a show shiner. Whatever it is that you do, because that's the first question you're probably going to get asked. Present it in a way that actually does present what you do in the best possible light while still being completely truthful. But be confident. If you actually love what you do, be confident. So it's like, dude, I am a talk show host and I love what I do. It's amazing. People will not ask me, why don't you have a real job if I do it that way? Right. You know, like somebody says, well, how are you today? You get the answers like, well, I'm okay. You and I, if I say, you know, hey, Captain Influence, how are you? And you're going, you know, this has been a crappy day. That's cool because we're friends. <laughs> I, You can tell me that. But if I've right, never met somebody before or if I've only met them twice in my life and I'm you know, like, well, hey, how are you doing? You know, I don't know this person, right? Well, I'm, I'm okay. I've been better or meh. <laughs> They're going to be like, okay. The social contract would dictate that you just say, I'm doing good. How are you? That's it. Yeah. Yeah. If you're talking to strangers. Now, if you're talking to your friends, you can elaborate all you want, but. Sure. I was taught this in business too, that, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you have a business or whatever, and somebody says, how's business or how is your business doing? How's your podcast? Mm -hmm. Again, unless you're really good friends with this person and can truly trust them, the answer should always be no matter what, no matter how bad it is, whatever your answer should always be. Things are fantastic. Couldn't be better. How are you? Right. Because they don't really care. Honestly, right. because you don't know them well enough. And then two, if things are bad, well, now they've got dirt on you if they want to use right. it against you. So, or it, And it gives them a, an unfavorable first impression. True. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I did that with in the beginning with The Real Brian Show because I was struggling with trying to figure out what to do and how to move forward. And I said, ah, it's, it's all right. I don't really know what I'm doing yet, but I'm, I'm figuring it out. You know, I gave people too much information and too much. Na- These people didn't know who I was. Did they listen to the show? No, I don't know. Did they? No, oh. no, because I, I presented it like, <laughs> why would anybody want to listen to a show like that? It sounds like a crap, a crap. It's not Scottish either. Not Scottish. Yeah. So it was just like, no, that uh, whoops. And it actually was fine. I just presented it poorly. Mm. So if I'm like, oh my gosh, things are great. It's the best show ever. You should totally listen. You're missing out. Maybe that's a little overboard, but still <laughs> uh, whatever. All right. So. Here's some ideas on how you can ask questions. I've tried some of these. They may work for you. They may not. And if you're an introvert, I get this. I actually do recommend some kind of small talk. And I know a lot of introverts just absolutely dread small talk. And it's not that you only talk about small talk. It's to use small talk as an advantage to connect with somebody. So Mm -hmm. you meet them at a coffee shop, right? Oh man, this is great coffee. What did you get? What are you, what are you drinking? First thing. Hi, this is uh, Tony. Tony Bryan. Nice to meet you. Oh, nice to meet you too. What are you drinking? Don't even ask. What do you do? Just what are you drinking? Oh, and then you connect on something common. And then I could say, you know, oh, well, you know, cool. I actually roast coffee for fun. You're connecting on more of like things and then you could move into something else. Or if somebody were to say, you know, hey, Tony, uh, Brian works at New Belgium Brewery and you then you, Tony, could say, oh, that's awesome. You know, like, what do you do at New Belgium? That's fine because it's already been offered. But if you were to say, you, Tony, are saying, so Brian, what do you do? And what if I was in between jobs? 
Oh, yeah, that's I'm actually awkward. unemployed right you don't now. Want to, you don't want to tell somebody you just met that you're... Yeah. Jobs. And you're going to be like, but well... But some people I'm, will. Some people will. And they'll do it confidently. And then, it, yeah. and then it, it's understood via the social contract that you don't pursue that any further. But it's awkward. Yeah. yeah. It's a little awkward. If you say, oh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm between jobs right now, but this is my profession. Engineers are always between jobs, right? So exactly. So, so you know, I'm, I'm an engineer, but I'm I'm between jobs right now. Oh, okay. Well, then you move on. Yeah, I know though that most people that are in between jobs, it's tough. So it's not like you're proud of being in between jobs. You're actually having a hard time with it, but you don't want them to notice that. So it is awkward and it may be painful. And so again, it goes back to don't ask what they do unless they like if they say, oh yeah, you know what, I work over here. Oh cool, what do you do there? Well, then that's fine, you know. Right. You know, something else I've said too is, so the common thing actually makes the most sense. That's actually been the easiest thing for me is to find some kind of a conversation piece, whatever that may be, that small talk, that common thing that you can just say, boom, that gets the conversation rolling. Awkwardness is over. Ice is broken. Then you can go stay away from the weather because that's just, that's just been done. The only thing that I do is like, (laughs) if we're standing outside and you're like, hi, nice to meet you. And it's the middle of March and it's like, I am so thankful for this sun right now. Because you've been in cold, that's very different. It's not like, so how's the weather? Or wow, nice weather we're having. Like, Unless it's like legitimate, oh my God, thank you for the sun. This may not even be an issue for some people. What do you do? Everybody's like, oh, well, you know, I'm I'm this. I'm a graphic designer. Oh, okay, cool. And then, you know, no big deal. Nothing, no issue, right? But I'm saying for some people, there is an issue there. If like, for example, are you married? And uh, well, actually, I just went through a really bad divorce. And it's like, ooh, crap, should have asked that awkward. question. Yeah, right? So there's there's situations that's like you shouldn't necessarily ask certain questions unless you know more about the person because it could right. be very bad and it may not be, maybe fine. You really got to be careful with what you ask. You don't know what that person's been through. Do as much as you can to draw stuff out of them rather than point blank ask them, especially if it's an awkward thing. And that's more what I'm trying to get at. Here's a simple rule maybe that people can follow. If you know you're just meeting somebody for five minutes and you'll probably never see them again, keep it simple. Yeah. If you're going to be interacting with this person for a long time, maybe it's more appropriate to ask more questions, but I would spread them out a bit over number of sessions yeah. instead of just hammering them with questions uh, right off the bat. So, you know, at first keep it simple. You know, what do you do? Maybe find some common ground and then let it go. And then maybe the next time you see them, ask something. I don't know. I don't even want to throw out an example. I know. I know. It's just hard. keep it simple unless you're going to, unless you're planning on getting to know that person a lot more. Yeah, I would agree. And sometimes it's easier. Granted, this is me as an extrovert too. I'll just start talking and that's natural for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm, what I'm looking for is something to bridge some topic of conversation. Common ground. Yeah, exactly. I'm looking for something to bridge and then we connect and go from there. Here's another one I like. If someone introduces me to someone, I may say, so how do you know so-and-so? You introduce me to someone. And I, oh, how do you know Tony? Yeah, yeah, that's appropriate. Yeah, and that's because they did, right? Oh, well, actually, Tony and I go way back, and then they share a story. Or, well, we work right. together. Oh, well, where do you work, and what do you do? You know, That's I, a perfect one. How do you yeah. know such and such is a perfect one? I love what you're saying. Keep it simple. And I think the, th- the second thing is, is let something be offered to you before yes. you ask something that could potentially put them in an awkward situation last good call last time you were you and i were on the show i asked the question do you believe everybody is a somebody do you believe you're a somebody and it caught you off guard because you were not prepared 
and you didn't even know kind of the depth of what I was even asking because I didn't explain it to you before. Right, and you've explained it to me since then. And so at the time, I just thought it was yeah. an awkward question. And so I reacted like, well, duh, yeah. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's a <laughs> classic example of I caught you off guard and that's the one thing we don't want to do. So, and you know, it's funny. I know there are going to be some people listening here going, duh. Well, yeah, this is what I do all the time. But I got to tell you, you would not believe how many interactions that I have with people where they ask me extremely awkward questions that put me on the spot stuff. I'm not even comfortable answering a lot of times. And and then what really is bad is when I say, let's just use this as an example. This is not truth for me. This is just right. Somebody says, are you married? And I were to say, no, I just went through a divorce. I, I've had people ask questions like, well, why? Why did you go through a divorce? What happened? Uh, I don't know see. you. Yeah. Or I haven't talked <laughs> Again, to you in 20 years. I don't, a, you know, that's a 10 on the chode meter. Unless they're family that you just don't yeah. ask that it's social contract. No, no, but you would not believe how many people go down those routes. They, they push, they, they, they want the, you know, the juicy tidbits, man. They want that's interesting. Take <laughs> I'm so caffeinated. I don't know. No, it's, it's amazing how many people, people do waiting, that. People have been waiting to take a shot for quite a while there. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. yeah. Just some of the the conversations that I've had with people where either somebody feels awkward by a question or I feel awkward from a question or again, I didn't answer in a way that was confident in a way that presented truthfully what I did in the best light possible or in a way that people just don't have the right social cues and they keep pushing something that they should shut up and let go like a long time ago kind of thing. And I don't think they really know any better. It's not that they're being mean necessarily. Right. It's that I don't think they realize what they're doing to that person. Here's what Sarah says, and I really appreciate this. Each of us has, you know, things in life that we are surrounded by, engaged with, passions and interests that we have, that kind of thing, right? So it becomes our life in some way or another, right? So like March Madness, I've talked about that. I'm watching basketball. I'm around basketball right now. Once basketball season ends, I won't be as much, right? But right this moment, I'm around it. And so I'm talking more about basketball, You know, when I say, uh, are you watching the games? And somebody says, no, right. I could say, why not? But I don't, but you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm focused on that more now than usual. And so I think when somebody's focused on something, that's just typically what they talk about because they don't know what else to talk about. Some people though, take that to an unhealthy level and think that, well, everybody should be watching March madness. And if you're not, you know, you're missing out and you're like, well, I don't like basketball well that's that's your that's ridiculous you should like that everybody should like basketball basketball is the greatest sport in the world how come you don't like basketball people take things that far this goes back to what you said that not everybody likes the same thing all the time but there are people that legitimately can't understand why you don't like certain things that they like And, and they get mad at you for not liking it or not oh here's here's the biggest one politics Ooh, how come yeah. you don't see my way? How dare the you? The biggest one. Yeah. Yes. Well, because I believe something different than you do. What's wrong with exactly. that? Well, you're not a human being. You call yourself an American. That's what I mean. It's stuff like that. Yes. We, we push our whatever it is. The things we're surrounded by on people so harshly. I know politics is an extremely serious you know, example here. And it's something that goes way beyond what we're even talking about. But it's just an example of how even when we say, what do you do? Are you married? Why not? You know, stuff like that. You know, you're, you're pushing your either belief or something that you enjoy or something that you've just been surrounded with, you know, for a period of time, you're, you're pushing that on people probably unintentionally. I mean, maybe intentionally, but probably not maliciously at least. So I guess that's where it goes back to just be super, super careful about questions you ask when you're first meeting somebody or 
seeing somebody again for the first time, don't push somebody. You know, if because I've heard this, because I've heard people who have been hurt by stuff like this, even just recently, uh, and actually do fear meeting people because they're afraid of what people might, again, think, ask, judge, push, right. etc. Having experienced it myself, this is why I thought maybe there are some ways we can just talk about it. Maybe this is common sense to some, but maybe it's not to others. Yeah. And maybe we can find better ways of, uh, you know, again, greeting and introducing ourselves to others and asking better questions, um, answering better and having confidence. And you know what? If you don't want to talk about something, then it's okay. You don't have to. So yeah, and that was, that was a really interesting topic. Take a shot. <laughs> I hope it was helpful because thinking through this and writing this up was actually super helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Good throwback YouTube video from 2011. It's still true though. Some of you probably weren't even exposed to this video and it's the, uh, it's getting real in the whole foods parking lot rap. <laughs> it's old school, you know, white rapper. It's so awesome. <laughs> it's so awesome. So go check it out. Really funny. The glorious rebirth of the Brussels sprout. Talk about Amen. it. Amen. Talk about it. Amen, brother. You know, most people have grown up Gen X and, and older have grown up dreading Brussels sprouts. And the reason we've grown up dreading Brussels sprouts is because our parents and grandparents boiled them or did something with them that was, and and they just, they smelled awful. They tasted awful. Everyone has, it's become a cliche in pop culture to dread the Brussels sprout, right? A lot of you probably noticed that Brussels sprouts are making a huge comeback. And the reason is because people suddenly realized you can saute these suckers in any number of ways. And they're really, really good. I make Brussels sprouts all the time. I've had them at, at multiple restaurants. Restaurants now have Brussels sprouts in their appetizers menus uh, all yeah. over the place. And yeah. they're, all, they're all a little different, but they are all sauteed in one fashion or another. Mm. And that's the key to the good Brussels sprouts. There's a lot of good recipes out there on allrecipes.com and whatever. But if, if you're feeling a little courageous and willing to take a leap of faith, try it. And I have a strong feeling you won't be disappointed. I agree. Yeah. And actually there's one restaurant here that does it with a balsamic glaze on it. Mm, um, yes. Yes. Garlic bacon, like real bacon. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh man, it is, is amazing. Yeah. Yep. I make mine with a, it's a combination of orange juice, apple cider vinegar, Ooh. olive oil, salt, a dash of salt and maple syrup, a, a good dollop of maple syrup. And you, and you saute the Brussels sprouts in butter for a while and then you pour this reduction that I just described into them and let it basically reduce in the skillet and oh my gosh mm. they're just unbelievable oh, and pine nuts mm. and they're unbelievable so yeah Brussels sprouts are making a huge comeback and I strongly recommend them and they're really good for you too yeah well I great. mean you saute the crap out of them well. and put a bunch of stuff in it maybe not but, but they're a really good side for a lot of different dishes especially yeah. chicken now I will say this though the boiling thing I actually personally like them boiled but I don't, Ugh. I don't just eat them boiled. Like there's, there's That's more that goes into it. No, 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 hold on. And there's a reason for this. <laughs> there's a reason for this too. So I love sauteed Brussels sprouts. Don't get me wrong. However, Brussels sprouts are one of those varieties that don't always agree with your system. If you know what I mean? No, the gastro side of things. And so, it, yeah, it's, I didn't know that. it's a very common issue. This is why I think Brussels were originally boiled a lot is because it, it's just easier on your body. Sauteing them or putting them in the oven doesn't necessarily take care of that issue. And so personally, I like them boiled because they, again, my body just 
deals with them easier. But then when I pull them out, you know, I do not like the water on them. I make sure that they're, they're essentially dried off for the most part. Then I do olive oil and then, you know, just a super simple thing for me is olive oil, salt, pepper, garlic. Oh, okay. Um, so I still have all the flavor in there, but then I, I just thought of something as you were talking about this, that I wonder if you boiled them first and then take them out and then saute them, you should theoretically get rid of whatever it is that causes the body, you know, undue stress, but then you still I get the no sauteed idea. flavor huh? or the, the oven baked is actually really good. Too. I wasn't aware that Brussels sprouts were, uh, there was a compound in them that, that caused people gastric distress. I've never, I never mm. heard of that. So it's kind of like I learned with, another new thing today. Yay. It's, it's like with like cauliflower and broccoli, you know, that that can do the same kind of thing. Huh. There are various vegetables that can cause issues with certain people if it's not done correctly. Like I personally okay. have never been able to really truly eat a lot of raw vegetables. My body just has never dealt with them well. Okay. And I I don't like it. Like it it just feel I feel bloated and just kind of ugh, you know? But if I eat them cooked and and light or lightly steamed even, it's like, oh, I'm fine. Totally fine. No no issue." Okay. I, I totally agree though that the flavor of a sauteed or an oven baked kind of thing with all those things oh man oh man chop up some like garlic and and like i'm gonna go have cloves. some right after the show yeah. oh my gosh well you know I, I honestly did make some last night so <laughs> leftover brussels sprouts yeah. tonight, so yeah on that note dude that is a great way to end a great show Go have some of them Brussels sprouts. All right. Well, here's the deal. Next week, we're going to talk about Pacific Rim. Uh, I don't know if we'll get to Ready Player One or not. I'm not quite sure. Maybe. I am seeing it on Friday. I'm going Tuesday. Excited. All right. RealBrianShow.com. Check out those links. Thank you so much for joining us. Tony, thank you. Real Brian Show is signing off. The Real Brian Show is a production of 514 Media at 514mediaempire.com.